Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody, before we jump into this episode of the podcast, I just want to give you a quick overview. It is always a pleasure to sit down with Dr. Brian Hooper. He is a dear friend of mine and an incredibly talented pastoral psychotherapist. This episode is really all about diving into the toxicity of regret and understanding that one of the primary things we can do in order to improve our overall mental health is to become curious Uh, that we should be focusing very much on what brings us joy and what brings us delight and that we can curate our own life that makes us alive through being true to our own self and that ultimately regret coming down to shame is really rooted in the thoughts behind the emotions and those thoughts are rooted in our belief systems and that by simply challenging some of our belief systems We can change the way we think and ultimately the way we feel so that we can have our best life. I hope you enjoy this episode. Take care, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I am super excited to bring on for a repeat performance a dear friend of mine and the incredibly talented Dr. Brian Hooper. Um, We are going to be digging into a topic that I have been... Um, referencing a lot lately in some other content, and that is regret. This episode is all about the toxic effects of regret and how, as I see it, it lives on the opposite spectrum of joy. Uh, Welcome to the show, Dr. Ober. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. Of course. I just thought it was time to bring in the real expert to help us understand what it is I'm talking about um, to either agree, disagree, or maybe give us some deeper understanding as to why this may be or not be such a negative, um, toxic emotion, um, or experience really. Um, the idea that regret is probably the worst emotion and experience a human can, um, walk through. Um, I have talked a lot about experiencing death uh, on the front line as an emergency room physician um, for almost 12 years, obviously burying my father and burying my grandfather, which would be the opposite end of the spectrum, which they were filled with joy and at peace, maybe modeling some of the most beautiful ways to exit this planet, uh, in stark contrast to what I see often, which is just a life or an experience that's riddled with regret and pain and suffering and unrest and trying to reconcile the white space in between those two vastly different emotional experiences for human and what humans and what i see regardless of the level of success in people is that the the amount of regret that still exists in people's life um is pretty significant And I am on a mission to help people strip down and get to the core of behaviors that lead to larger amounts of regret and 
focus them more towards things that fuel their lives with joy. Um, based on my research, I, I, the best I can tell is that Shakespeare came up with this, but it was a saying that I have come across pretty recently, something along the lines of cowards die many times before their deaths, but brave men die but once. Um, and although it may not be a perfect analogy to what I'm talking about, I think it really speaks to this idea of dying over and over and over and over and over again, as opposed to living a life filled with fulfillment and f- fulfillment and joy and purpose um, and dying one beautiful death at the end versus just continuing to die over and over again in your life. And I just thought that was an interesting, very atypical for me to start philosophical mm-hmm. um, to go into kind of a, you know, a medical podcast with, with this, but I just think we can't strip away the emotional experience of being a human from medicine. Absolutely. Um, and I, I just wanted to pick your brain on this concept um, and, and start off with something more in your realm, which is very philosophical. And what are your thoughts about that? About the quote from yeah, Shakespeare? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I've I reflected on it a little bit because I knew we were going to be reflecting on it together. And um, so I think there is that that kind of dying in which there's the experience of I've disappointed myself. And that often comes when people take the easy the easy way out, the, the, the way out that um, um, avoids the challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are a thousand, you know, a thousand uh, deaths that people die. Uh, but I think there's another kind of death, and that is uh, the death to living in fear and mm-hmm. making the hard choices so that people don't end up with the regrets that, that, um, that then really do kill them. Hmm. Yeah. What about... Yeah, it was funny when when I, when I brought that up to you, you had mentioned, well, the first thing, I, and you reflexively, you said, well, well, the first thing I'd say is, was that man ever really alive in the first mm-hmm. place? And mm-hmm. that really struck me and gave me kind of a secondary thing to ponder. Right. Have you given any more thought to to that concept? Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking of the words of Jesus where he says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it mm-hmm. if it dies, that is, if it goes into the ground and breaks open... Then it can blossom forth and you know really produce what it's designed to be right exactly. Mm -hmm. So I I think you know the brave man to use this analogy is the one who uh, go goes in goes in and dies to whatever would keep him from being alive, Mm. right? Mm. And uh, if we look at what uh, Christians call the the Paschal mystery. Uh, and there are parallels in other religions, so I'm I'm not pushing my own faith. I'm just using this as an mm-hmm. analogy. But if we look at what we call the Paschal mystery, it's the idea that that uh, you know Christ goes into the place of complete alienation, so that uh, we are rescued from that alienation, mm-hmm. and He comes out alive. And we too then are called to go to those places which would keep us from being our truest selves and letting the fear of that die so that we can be our most authentic selves. Wow. I was not expecting that. That is really... I wasn't expecting it No, it's really good because it really does speak to my North Star as a physician, which is I I believe that most people would identify with the fact that there's a better version of themselves 
that they're not experiencing. Yeah. And, and I want to take people on this journey right. to help them uncover that. And um, it's fascinating. There was a study that was done at Cornell University. I think it was its recent study, 2018. And uh, they did a, a meta-analysis of uh, an, a number of studies. And um, what tends to, to lie behind regret is the what's called the ought self versus the ideal self. And the ought self is the self that says, okay, I ought to, um, I ought to go to college. Mm-hmm. I ought to get a stable position. I ought to get married, you know, I ought to be involved in some sort of uh, community service, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, and the other self is the, the ideal self. Um, and the ideal self says, essentially, ask the self the question that um, uh, Joseph Campbell, the great mythologist, uh, made, made the statement, follow your bliss. So the, the ideal self asks, what is my bliss? What is it that helps me be my most authentic self? What is it that makes me feel truly alive, that mm-hmm. gives me the sense that, that I'm being the fullest version of me that I can be in this world while I'm in this world, right? And interestingly enough, people struggle most with the unfulfilled ideal self rather than the mistakes they made in the ought self. In other words, the research shows what people most regret is not the things that they've done, that they wish they hadn't done. They get over that better. Mm-hmm. It's the unrealized self yes. that haunts people. Yes. Hmm. So we have two selves, the ought self and the ideal or the idealized self in the short run regrets about the ought self are about uh, regrets of actions we've taken and tend to be fleeting and inconsequential maybe a long term right and we can we can repair those things yes right i can come to you and apologize apologize if i've offended you and i made the wrong decision right i made the wrong Mm -hmm. decision you know i recognize that and and people can forgive themselves easily for that what they what haunts them is when they don't live up to their ideal self. Hmm. Uh, and uh, it's really fascinating. Now, I, uh, what I want to say about that is, if you've not lived up to your ideal self heretofore, that doesn't mean that all time is lost. Right. And you cannot go there. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a bright side to digging into this. It, it, right. On one hand, it helps you realize why maybe there's this lack of fulfillment or this unrest and that you need to pay attention to this more ideal self and what that means for you and things that make you come alive probably deserve some of your attention. Uh, And the other message is as long as you're still breathing and alive, the goal is it's actually not so much about realizing your ideal self. It's the journey to becoming that, that really is the life-giving fuel. It, right. it, I, I mean, it's almost like that ideal self, in many ways, isn't attainable. And, and maybe shouldn't even be the goal, but when you set your eyes on the ideal, you, you start on a path or a journey of becoming that person 
And it's that, the little wins, the, yes. li- the, the momentum you create in your life, the way you show up to your spouse, the way you show right. up in the marketplace. You are on a journey of becoming your true self and your best version, most vibrant version of yourself. And it's really about that process because then right. you can help people along the way. It's not like one day you just arrive. Like we're, we're all pursuing that. Right. We're all in process. I yes. often say to people, uh, we spend very little time stepping over thresholds. We spend the vast majority of our time going from one threshold to another. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, you've heard me say this before. We move in the direction of our most dominant thought. Yeah, I love that. There was an, another fascinating study uh, done out of um, by a professor at Clemson University, and uh, she found that about a third of all the people that were surveyed, and, and there were hundreds of people surveyed, uh, about a third of them uh, wished that they could give advice to the younger self on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. When people began to take the advice that they were giving, would give to the younger self, they felt better about themselves because they were starting to live more into their ideal self. Okay, And they had the sense that their younger self would be proud of them, more proud of them than if they were not taking their own advice. I love it. So, you know, part of the the joy that I have in life is recognizing that while I'm on the journey in all of my interactions, as long as I'm pursuing that, I'm, my interactions are better with everyone else because I'm being my most authentic self. But it can be very frightening because I, I have to be willing to die to the inauthentic self, mm-hmm. right? I have to be willing to die to other people's expectations that may not be congruent with my truest self. So somebody might be disappointed. Mm-hmm. but And I have to be willing to not be the coward, but to be brave and let them have that. So in tying this back to regret, yeah, would, would you say... And before I ask you for the punchline there, what, what would you say is, where, where does it come from? What, what is regret? Root, is there a root? If we drill this all the way down, I mean, regret for different people mean different things. But I think toxic regret, where you're just completely stuck in this state of, I cannot get past the thing that I'm regretting. Is there a is there science or 30 years of experience that tells you... As a clinician, there is a deeper emotion or lack of what's at the root of regret. Yeah. So uh, if we go with the idea that the the uh, most challenging form of regret is the life unlived rather than the mm-hmm. things that we've done and disturb us, mm-hmm. because as we've already pointed out, those things, you know, we can recover from, we, they're bumps in the road. Right, mm-hmm. um, but failure to follow through on our ideal self is the road not taken. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between the bump in the road and the road not taken. I think when we, if we recognize, we come to the point we realize, oh my gosh, I'm at midlife and there's this road I've not taken. 
then we need to unpack that because usually there are voices, dialogues going on in the background that go way back to childhood that that run a conversation that says we don't deserve it, we're not capable of it, it's not possible for someone like us. Mm-hmm. And we have to go back and question all of those dialogues and, and oftentimes purge them from our lives. Yeah, and I like that distinction because you could go to a restaurant and regret your meal. Sure. I chose the wrong meal. Oh, I wish I'd got, I got. And I see what you got. How many times have we done that, right? Next time I'm getting that one. And you move along and it is not destructive. As opposed to waking up one day on your 52nd birthday and realize I have not been living my true life, my, my true self. I am, I've been pandering maybe to a limiting belief or the opinions of people that I continue to allow to rule and reign over me because I want them to approve. And really, this doesn't make me happy. That's right. That's a, we use the same word. I regret not getting that salad. Right. <laughs> Versus... Right. I spent my whole life scaling a mountain for reasons that were not mine. Right. And right. and and now I have this overwhelming emotional what would you say that emotion is because regret I I feel may just be kind of a state of being is is it is regret an emotion in that mm. context or is regret um shame is it sad? like what is what is the I toxic think, nature of regret? Yeah, so I think um, regret is a recognition mm. of that road not taken. And that may then open the way to shame, interesting, guilt. Um, I've not built the relationship with myself that I wish I had built, so I'm disappointed in myself. And then to perseverate on that, to, to mold that over mm-hmm. constantly. Oh, God, I wish I'd done it differently. I wish it. That just keeps us stuck and connected to mm-hmm. that old road that we did take. I love, th- I've never, I spend an obnoxious amount of time thinking about this. And, I, <laughs> and, in, and in my own uh, brain, I've never thought of regret being an awareness. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that. Yeah. So it can actually be helpful. Uh, I don't. I, I. You know, I'm. I'm a spiritually oriented psychotherapist. So, mm-hmm. so my joy is helping people have an aha moment and gather themselves up and get back on the journey. And they can do that at any age, mm-hmm. right? So, if re, if regret is toxic, it it keeps me connected to the old choices. Mm-hmm. But if it's healthy, I can go. Okay, this is now a wake up. To my more authentic self. And if I can then be curious, and I cannot stress the importance of curiosity for mental health. Stop judging yourself and start getting curious about yourself. Where did this come from? What does this mean? How do I relate to it? How could I relate to this differently? How could I relate to the people in my life in a different way? Where would I like to go from here? What really brings me joy? What really brings me joy? People don't think about that. Let me tell you a story. um, So in addition to being a psychotherapist, you know I'm also ordained as a Lutheran pastor. Mm -hmm. And early in my ministry, I was in Tempe, Arizona, serving in an assistant position or associate position in a a parish. By the way, they abbreviate them both the same way, right? So I rate. Um, (laughs) 
that'll hit you later, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in an associate position, and uh, I went to a conference and uh, met a priest, a Roman Catholic priest, who was my same age. He had just been ordained as well, and we became buddies. Uh, and Scott and I still are in contact today. Um, Scott was in recovery from alcohol abuse, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, had, he was doing his 12 steps, and he'd been doing that for quite a while. So it was great. So one day, Scott and I were talking on the phone, and it was his day off. And he said, yeah. So I woke up this morning, and I was lying in bed, and I thought to myself, what would delight me for breakfast? What would I really love? What? And I was thunderstruck. I thought, I've never given that much thought to breakfast in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But what Scott taught me in that moment was to curate my life. To ask myself, what really helps me be the most alive person that I've been created to be? What, what brings me the fullness, as full as you can have in this broken world, of being in relationship with myself? Mm-hmm. What would delight me? And it, it's not a selfish question. It's about, because sometimes the delightful things are the simplest things, right? Often. Yeah. So if we can be curious about what delights us in life, what brings us joy, we can then, I think, discern what's the next road to take. Mm -hmm. You know, I love what Maya Angelou said about... Do the right thing with what you know. I'm probably messing up her words, but essentially it's with what you know. Do the right thing, and when you know better, do the better thing. Mm -hmm. So with regard to regret, it may show me what hasn't worked, but that doesn't mean I'm stuck with that. Mm -hmm. I can do the next truly, take the next truly alive leg of my journey. So then would I be correct in summing up what you just said that at the core of regret is at the core of what we would call toxic regret. Yeah. Not choosing the wrong dinner. Uh would be a malalignment with your decision making and pursuits with your true self that would otherwise have brought you joy and fulfillment and staying stuck in it. Once you recognize the malalignment and then it's the repetitive nature of being aware that you've made decisions or behaviors that aren't congruent with your true self is maybe the breeding ground of the toxicity and right. The looping around that and saying, Oh God, I'm, I'm worthless. You know, I made all the wrong choices. My life is over now. My this ruins everything. Well, it doesn't ruin everything. Mm -hmm. As opposed to our trivial dinner analogy, right? You recognize you have an awareness that you have regret and you immediately go to a place of, well, next time I'm ordering something else. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Next time I'm going to do it differently. It would be the equivalent of just constantly, looping over the fact that you got the steak and not the fish and how could I continue to, and you keep making those decisions. You go back to the restaurant, you order the steak again. Right. Uh, When you really could have had, I'm over trivializing it, but it is, no, but that's a great analogy. They're great stark contrast 
Um, right. So there's no right or wrong answer. I'm more curious about the way you think about these things. This type of looping in toxic regret that leaves yourself open to very shameful type thinking and self-destructive yeah. uh, self-talk. Mm-hmm. I, I, there are a lot of negative emotions and a lot of negative feelings a human can experience. It's just my observation. If you lined up all of the things that could be negative that I could experience over and over again, for me, this emotion, this state is the worst. Um, do you agree? Like, what is your feeling on? I'm just curious. Are there worse things that I'm overlooking? Well, I, if, if I sort of look behind the curtain of what we're calling toxic shame or, or toxic regret, what I see is shame. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, shame is when we're feeling shame. We not only want to hide from everybody else, we want to hide from ourselves. Yes. And that's, I think that's the real uh, poison mm-hmm. that's behind uh, regret when it becomes, quote, toxic, when we loop about it, loop around with it. Yeah, it's almost, um, you, you and I have had conversations offline about the difference between guilt and shame. And mm-hmm. it's almost like... Healthy regret can lead to guilt, which leads to reconciliation and healing and and, and a positive outcome, right. whereas persistent regret that leads to shameful thinking isolates, does not lead to reconciliation, does right. not lead to right standing and healing. It It is a perpetual state of inward attacking. Devaluation of self. I'm so stupid. How could I be such an idiot? I'm such a loser. Every single time I make this decision, and it is a it is just a cesspool of of the worst type of relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. Which takes me back to our first episode around stress, and we started talking. We went off on a tangent like we do around self-esteem and you blew right. my mind when you started talking about, I can't instill self-esteem into my children that self-esteem by definition is their relationship with themselves. Right. This is, I, I just feel like this has profound implications as we go through life and, and this shameful rooted regret mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like a cancer to your relationship with yourself. People will do one of two things with that. They'll, either overcompensate or they'll engage in some sort of avoidance Mm -hmm. or numbing mechanism or numbing mechanism. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which is another way of avoidance. I suppose. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, so let's get into some practical application. Uh, if, if, the basic question is, how do you clean up regret in your life? So if, if someone is identifying with some areas of their life where they seem to be predominantly in a state of regret, constantly reminding themselves of the awareness that they do these behaviors or have these beliefs or they have these outcomes. Or they didn't choose this one they, road or they married yes. this one person. Yes. Or they didn't go how to this university. How do you clean up regret? Or, okay. is, is there two or three things that the listeners could... Well, yeah. The first thing is... Um, 
uh, avoid um, idealizing other outcomes. You know, um, gee, I went, I, I, you know, I went to Germany. I visited Germany, and and I could have visited Italy on my vacation. Okay, but uh, don't assume that Italy would have been, you know, trouble free. It has its own challenges, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, avoid idealizing other choices that you could have made. Because um, I feel like in a state of this type of looping regret, you tend to romanticize the non-decisions. Yes, that's the idea. You're saying mm-hmm. it better than me. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> romanticizing that. Um, be compassionate with yourself and mm. understand the reasons for the decisions you made. They not, may not have been great reasons, but at least understand what they were mm. and have some compassion for yourself with that. I love it when you say that. You say that all the time. And um, it is lacking in most people's lives. We we are compassionate for others. Mm-hmm. Um, but self-compassion is not as common as you would think. No, and it's, it's not. It's grossly missing in most situations when people are in these states of regret. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's a beautiful concept. Yeah. Um, find gratitude for what is good and true and beautiful in your life. You know, I'm 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 working with one client right now who is living in huge regret for a couple of decisions that he's made. And yet, you know, there are people around him who love him, who so appreciate all of the other decisions he's made in life. And it's so hard for him to recognize that his couple of decisions, which were not good, uh, these decisions do not invalidate all the other uh, aspects of his good character. So he's having to, you know, I'm having to work hard <laughs> to mm-hmm. help him recognize that. So, you know, keep keep perspective, experience gratitude. And that's something that we need to have every day in yes. our lives, no matter what our situation is. Forgive yourself. I mean, you know, um, I happen to believe in a God that forgives. Mm-hmm. And unless I'm smarter than that God, how dare I not forgive myself? Yeah, that's good. You know, otherwise... I'm saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to earn my way mm-hmm. when, uh, if it's really by grace, however mm-hmm. you call that, then, um, I need to accept it and not think I'm superior to everybody else. That's no, wonderful. Know, right. Um, and then make plans to do life differently. You know, one wrong turn doesn't mean that you can't make a different turn. You know, it's not mm-hmm. too late. Make a decision. Make it. Yeah. You can make different decisions. Right. One of the things that I find helpful to say to people, they'll come in and they'll say, there's some issue they're working on. Um, Well, I always do this and this and this. I always screw this up. I Hmm. always, and they're coming to me for therapy because they want to do things differently. And I will stop them and I will say, until now, Mm -hmm. I have done whatever that is. The subtle language shifts. Right, mm-hmm. because we believe what we tell ourselves. Yes, we do. So we need to be very careful of our language. Which makes us very effective at repeating things. <clears throat> That's right. 
That's right. I have a dear friend, and I, she taught me this. She'll, she'll say something that's negative about herself, and then she'll say, cancel, cancel. Delete, delete. D- yeah, cancel, <laughs> cancel. And she said, I have in the yeah. past done this, yeah. and now I'm learning to do it differently. That's wonderful. It is wonderful. Yeah, these are new behaviors, and it, there's a right. learning curve. Right. You have right. to undo old right. patterns. So, you know... Three steps forward, one step back does not undo the two steps that no are way. remaining. So I don't even like, by the way, when I work with folks with alcohol and substance abuse disorders, I do not like the term relapse. Hmm. It's just a lapse. It doesn't take you back to the very beginning. It does not undo all the other yes. good steps. It was simply a lapse. I like that. And oftentimes... It becomes a stepping stone to a greater experience of recovery for folks. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it takes away some of the automatic to follow permission that you get. If it is, in fact, a relapse, then therefore I am starting over again. Mm-hmm. I must experience things to say, like, no. It, right. You're one step away from right where you were before you lapsed. That's right. Step right back into that. That's right. Yes. And you've got a track Which is record. a powerful state. That is a powerful N- not state. Not a negative state. That's right. And that's a very significant... Uh, I mean, those are the little nuances that your craft... I, I sit back and I watch and I think... It's it's just very... Um, your your ability to coach folks through these things are... are um, the strategy is so intentional and thoughtful. And that that is a very subtle... Um, that is a subtlety, no doubt, and would probably mm. go unnoticed. But just as we're f- hammering this concept, right. it is quite significant. The other thing is, so that, that's, that, that gives folks an incredible, uh, I wrote down, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five yeah. steps. You know, don't, don't romanticize the choices that you did not make. Right. Be compassionate to yourself mm-hmm. as you would anyone else you loved. Right. Um, posture in more gratitude on a regular basis, which we all could use, forgive yourself and then make new decisions, make new plans Mm -hmm. based on this, based on these, these new patterns. And I think that's a great way to unpack things that are causing you Mm -hmm. this shame, uh, and regret over and over again. If you have it in your life, what would, what would you say would be a way to think about, um, developing a defensive strategy for finding new areas of your life where you're regretting and and is it a defensive posture or is it an offensive posture should be you be looking for it okay yes to both okay (laughs) Um, so it's both offense and defense i think from a prevention standpoint right right and here's the tool here is the tool be mindful. Okay. Notice your thoughts. Be curious about your thoughts. Am I avoiding this opportunity that's being presented to me because uh, I'm, I am afraid of making a decision mm. that somebody will ridicule me for? Mm. Okay. So audit uh, your thoughts. Audit, audit your emotions. Audit your thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, be, and, and your emotions in the sense of 
<clears throat> see, emotions are neither right nor wrong. They just give us information, right? But oftentimes there are thoughts that generate those emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are patterns we've been raised with, um, patterns that we reinforce with ourselves. It's really about thinking, your thinking. Right, mm-hmm. right. That raise, But the emotions, when I feel a certain emotion, I go, okay, where is this coming from? Is this appropriate? Well, what's the thought pattern behind yes, it? Yes, Absolutely. That's the question, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do I really believe that thought? Do I want to Is challenge that thought? Is mm-hmm. it true? Mm-hmm. And then if it's, if it's not true, well, how would my life be different without this thought? Yeah. Right? It's very powerful. Right? And it can often go from being my thought can be about what other people ought to be doing to recognizing that eh, I'm projecting on them. What is it that I want to do? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if I'm thinking all the time somebody should be treating me differently than what they're treating me, then maybe I should treat myself differently and exit that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't regret staying stuck in that yes. relationship. Yes. Yeah. So I, it's really great. I think of things in sports analogies almost mm-hmm. universally, mm-hmm. and I love. I I like to think about things as being offensive and defensive but this actually is a great example of something that needs a a prevention mechanism a a prevention strategy for regret really requires offense and defense it takes a defensive posture maybe momentarily to take captive what you're feeling and really audit that which is a very defensive let me process this. Mm-hmm. And then once you have clarity on the actual thinking and thoughts behind what you're feeling, you can then offensively move towards either correction or disproving your your inaccurate thinking uh, and move in a very offensive, certain posture. Right. You, can, you can move down the field towards yes. your goal. Yes. Absolutely. And um, as you've mentioned even earlier in this, we follow – how do you word it? We've, we move in the direction of our most dominant thought. Yeah, and so, again, leading back to thinking. So if our thinking, right. our most dominant thought is that I'm not smart or not worthy or money is bad or I don't deserve love, whatever the thing might be, right. you're going to move in that direction. And if exactly. you don't take a defensive stance and say, now, wait a minute, is that true? Am I really not worthy of love? Who would I be without that thought? Right. Right. Yeah, and then really challenge that right. and weaken that. Right. And then you can move past it and say, well, that's right. not true. Then you can make a choice. Well, if that's not true, then this must be true. Right. Which is a much more positive thought, and you'll move in that direction, right. which is an offensive. Because you're believing that. Yes. So let me add a couple more words. Please. That. Yeah. When I decide something is possible and I want it and it's achievable, I believe it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm believing this. So I believe, and then I behave in that direction. Yes. I behave towards it. I believe it. I behave towards it. And then I become it. Right? I become it. We don't become something extraordinary by just stepping across a threshold. We journey towards that. Mm-hmm. And it's the behaviors, the beliefs and the behaviors yes. on the journey that lead us to the destination that we then can step across the threshold of. Yeah, and this is this is very difficult for people to do in real life because in order for you to move in a different direction based on new beliefs, you have to undo old beliefs. And the problem with beliefs is that you believe that they're true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
the defensive, the auditing is very important. And to look at this and ask yourself really powerful questions like, is this true? And, right. you know, right. what would it be like if it wasn't true? And those, they, they can sound kind of like, oh, yeah, no, that's interesting. But if you go through that exercise in the moment, right. the implications are belief changing. Right. And if you change your beliefs, you will change your, your life. Your life, because your thinking yeah, will be absolutely. different. Absolutely. And then, from a, just if we went along with the cognitive part, the behavioral part, set up practical systems in your life that help you maintain the beliefs and the behaviors. So, in other words, if it's important to me to be up at 6 a.m. in the morning, to have a quiet time of meditation before I start the rest of my day, or as the start of my day, then maybe I need to set the coffee maker to go off at 545. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a concrete, realistic, behavioral step mm -hmm. that supports me in this. Yes. Get my environment ready for success, mm -hmm. right? Pack the gym bag the night before if I'm going to hit to the yeah, gym. Yeah, you start implementing behaviors that support your belief system. Right. That's a way to avoid regret. Yes. Right? If I want to make sure I, bring a, I eat a healthy lunch at the office, then probably better I should pack it than run out. It's probably not going to happen on the fly. Right. <laughs> right. Which means I'm constantly... Not in a negative sense, vigilant, but I have to be very, I have to be very alive and alert, awake, thoughtful about the life I want. I have to be intentional. That's the mm -hmm. word I'm fishing for, Aaron. I have to be intentional about the life I want to live and imagine it and mm -hmm. do that imagining day by day. Yes. Day by day. Yeah, it really does come down to our rituals and behaviors that we do on a daily basis that really determine our relational, spiritual, economic outcomes. Right. And it can seem overwhelming, I think, for anyone who's stuck in any particular area. But the truth is it's little behavior changes that are very intentional, done over and over again, that provide massive breakthrough. Absolutely. And what I tell couples in their marriages is that, um, you know, the marriage is made up of a tiny, uh, the, an infinitesimal number um, of, of, of tiny little actions, mm -hmm. right? It's, I, can't, I, I can't number them all. Um, and uh, our relationship with ourselves is mm -hmm. also made up of constant little actions and... Um, uh, uh, communications and thoughts. And I should not have used the word in infinitesimal because that's very small. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a galactic Infinite. number of yeah. <laughs> little yeah. decisions and interactions. Immeasurable. Yeah, immeasurable. That's it, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, well, this has been uh, something that I've been really, really looking forward to sitting you down and talking through with you, I, I feel in many ways it further anchors me in my already established belief that it's the worst, that regret is the worst. But you've add, added some dimension and color to it for mm -hmm. me that is always fun for a guy like me to think mm -hmm. deeper 
and mm-hmm. um, taking different vantage points on concepts. Mm-hmm. And I think I love the way it ties back into us heading towards our most dominant thought and back into self-esteem and our relationship with ourself, which leads us to concepts you and I have talked about and uh, about parenting ourselves, and just the value of doing things that are out of our thinking pattern and our belief system that is congruent with our true self Mm -hmm. and that we're mapping out a life that we're being true to ourself. Um, these are, these are critical things. And, and most people that I deal with that are, you know, they're, they're very, very successful, but we, we all have areas in our life where we're struggling. Absolutely. And these types of, um, these types of strategies can really help point people in the direction to deal with these things that are lingering. And it really is about auditing and unpacking these, these emotional experiences to the root of the thinking behind it Mm -hmm. and what beliefs are those rooted in and are they true or not true and really starting to challenge some of those things. And what will happen is you'll start to weaken those beliefs. Yes, absolutely. And when you weaken beliefs and you're curious, as you say, you will start to say, well, what else could it be? Right. That's a very powerful question. Yeah. It opens up a whole new world. And one thing I know about your brain is you can't ignore a question. Nope. You can ignore people. But if I ask you, I say, Brian, aren't you curious if there could be another meaning? Mm-hmm. What if that person wasn't actually trying to hurt you? I know mm-hmm. that's what you believe mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. But what if, what if there's another explanation? Mm-hmm. Would mm-hmm. that change the way you feel? Mm-hmm. And then just plant that seed. Right? Yeah. That's right. These are powerful, powerful things that we need to parent ourselves with right. and be, give us, create time to feel. Mm-hmm. And sort through the feelings and what are the thoughts, and you call it being mindful. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love, I love that you give a definition to being mindful and not just say be mindful because I think a lot of people hear that mindfulness and like, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. It means feeling, mm-hmm. Th- thinking about what you're feeling, and then thinking about the thoughts that are behind right. the feeling. Right. And. It's always going to be based on your belief systems. Somebody's Mm -hmm. violated me. Somebody's broken one of my rules. Well, Mm -hmm. what if they didn't? Right. What if there's a different meaning? What if if your rule is wrong? Right. Or inaccurate? Or rooted in a belief that you anchor to early on that you weren't ever going to be good enough or ever be enough? um, Or that money was bad or that, like, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We have real opportunities for breakthrough uh, with folks and, and... Breakthrough, not for the sake of breakthrough, but breakthrough for the sake of them becoming more connected with who they are right, and who they are capable of becoming. And they can begin that journey. And that journey is filled with adventure and wonder and fulfillment. Exactly. As long as they stay on the journey. You got to stay on the journey. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you so much for this. Um, any famous last words, final thoughts, um, as you always do. 
<laughs> Our in-house philosopher. There's an old funky movie called Harold and Maude. Okay. And, and one of the lines in the movie, uh, uh, Maude says to Harold, uh, Harold, always go for the adventure. <laughs> always go for the adventure. I like that. Yes. In spiritual language, we distinguish between a trip and a pilgrimage. A trip is from point A to point B. A pilgrimage is about what happens on the journey. Mm-hmm. It's on the journey that we discover ourselves. Yes. Could not agree more. Right. So as folks are wrestling with regret and making other choices for different roads to travel, I would encourage them to see this as an opportunity for not only their minds to open, but their hearts to open to a whole new vista that's really about connectedness to God, to themselves, and to the rest of creation. Hmm. And that's a wrap. <laughs> that was beautiful. Right. Well, thank you so much, as always, for your time and your wisdom and um, your willingness, as always, to just talk about these things that I know are meaningful and I know will change people's lives. Where can people find out more about you? They can visit my website, uh, www.drbrian, B-R-I-A-N, Hooper, H-O-O-P-E-R.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm also privileged to be able to have my office uh, within the office of Brentwood, M.D., with my dear friend Aaron Wenzel mm-hmm. and nurse practitioner extraordinaire <laughs> Jen Justice. She is extraordinary. <laughs> Uh, and it's really fun that we get to collaborate to help people it's out. It's a unique too. thing. I love that. I it's love a real that. unique thing. All right, my friend. Until next time. Yep. Take care, guys. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode, and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer, this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.